Um, uh, Christine mentioned how I've been around and seen this group over a long period of time. That's, yeah, that's true. I'm the dinosaur of the group in that sense. Um, and it's interesting as you watch things over time change and evolve and the different challenges um, in different seasons. When I was a student in the, the late 1990s and the early 2000s, almost all of the university was in Sandy Bay. There was the School of Fine Art down on the, the docks and there was the Conservatorium of Music, which used to just be near Salamanca there, near St David's. It's moved now to the Hedberg, but it used to be in the building that before that was the ABC TV studio. There used to be an ABC TV studio there um, when I was a kid. Um, so there was, there was a couple of smaller campuses, but even the early year med students um, were at the Sandy Bay campus um, over the other side of the, up the hill a bit there. Uh, and only later would they go to the clinical school towards the end of their degree. Uh, so that was a different time. It was a lot of people largely were largely school leavers, largely full-time students working maybe up to 20 hours. That would be the, the, the limit of the people in terms of working hours, mainly full-time. And a lot of just people, you'd go to the campus and be there all day long and people just sit out in the lawns. There'd be the hacky sack and the frisbee and, and uh, you know, the wafting of things that didn't just smell like tobacco smoke. Um, uh, and you know, student politics was a big thing. A um, bunch of different religious groups were active, political groups were active. Whenever the, the, there was a liberal government back then, um, John Howard, whenever he made a policy that students didn't like, there'd be big, big rallies that a lot of people would go to because they cared. Others would go to because there might be free food or at least a mass of people shouting about something and they'd just go along to, to shout about, what are we shouting about today? I don't know, but we don't want it. Uh, you know. um, and, and so within that context, the challenge for a Christian university group was to be a subculture it was to go, what are we at university for? Are we there to smoke cigarettes or something that doesn't smell quite like tobacco? Um, and to go to parties and drink, um, drink ourselves senseless? Um, are we there to simply make a political statement of one kind or another? So there was also big conservative political student groups for those who are wanting to prepare their way into um, uh, Liberal Party politics, that kind of stuff as well. Um, were we there to be part of one of those subcultures and agendas of the world and the lifestyles of the world? Or were we going to be a, a counterculture, a Christian counterculture, who stood for Jesus and what he believed in, a lifestyle and a community that he believed in, while still going to the parties and being part of the... I, I was um, even part of a school play back then, a uni play with the Uni Theatre Society plot called Roller Disco, and I was Rubik's Cube boy. So I had a Rubik's Cube and roller, we all had roller skates um, and I think I had like one line. <laughs> Otherwise, I was just going around with a Rubik's Cube, which I never solved. Um, um, so that was the challenge then. Was it, was, it was quite a humming little city of its own, but the challenge was to be, would Christians stand out and be different? You could go to university as a Christian and gradually become just like everyone else or you could go and be a community that stood out, that then was different and interesting and intriguing, and people would come in and see. We, could, we then had the luxury of doing lunchtime sermons every week in the chemistry lecture theatre, and we'd, we'd get 50, 60, 70 students coming along uh, every week. It was, that was just because it was like a little city and with a village square, and you could just advertise. People were bored. They were sitting around, and they'd, they'd come along, and that's, that's how it worked then. Later on, I came back as working for AFES, working, that's the national organisation that employs staff to work with student groups like us. Um, came back to work with Uni Fellowship. And that was then, by that stage, we had more campuses. We had the medical school and the art school and the music school. And the, um, it was increasingly more campuses around the place. People were increasingly working part-time, studying part-time, increasingly doing summer school to speed up their degree. Um, and uh, there was a different counterculture challenge then. <laughs> 
Lunch times weren't as easy to organise anymore because people were off to their jobs uh, or going home. You know, if it's just 10 minutes drive, you may as well just go home or, or whatever it is. And, so, and, and the university itself started scheduling classes all the time. When I was at uni, one o'clock on a Tuesday, most people didn't have class. It was like a lunch hour free for everybody. You could organise your Bible studies there and your, uh, your frisbee on the oval then. It, it was like a free time. Yeah, that, that's long gone. Um, and so we started doing mornings and evenings to get outside of those timetable limits. Different counterculture challenge. It was still a counterculture challenge, but suddenly what, what we were having to say to Christians to do, like you notice this, say, with the music school, because everyone at the music school is like wanting to be the next big thing, you know, the next big violin, clarinet, singer, death metal guitarist, music producer. They are their music Law can be the same, medicine the same. That's my calling, that's my identity. I am a med student, capital M, capital S. Like, you know, in Pooh Bear, like the Winnie the Pooh, when there's certain things with capital letters. Capital letter, med student, that's what I am. And I happen to be a Christian, lowercase c. <laughs> I'm a Christian med student. I'm a Christian music student. Um, and the counterculture was then for the med student to say, you know what, there's more to me and my life and my ambitions than just being a med student. We, we would have med students who would be on the scholarships and work, study hard and do well, but what was their, what defined them was more than just being med, doing med, going to a med Christian group to just talk about being a medical student. That <laughs> um, they said, no, I want to be, of, of all things, I'm willing to be in a Bible study with nursing students. <laughs> or even arts students. What? <laughs> and because what we have in common is not what helps us with our career, but it's what helps us with, um, uh, with something far deeper, with our very being, with serving our maker for living for eternity. And so that's one of the things that stood out to people. And, you know, around exam time, for example, that became a really intriguing point. Oh, my goodness, you've got, you know, a music student, your, your throat's giving way and you've got your singing performance. How are you coping with this? Well, let me talk about prayer and how that, you know, relying on my creator and that there's more to my life than just um, being a success. And, and you get to give these testimonies to share how your faith helps you even with your other worldly ambitions. Or how do you think about these difficult ethical questions? Or, you know, those kinds of things came up. Um, and so it was still counterculture, but it was a a very different kind of vibe. And what that meant was then the Christian uni student might choose to say, you know what, I won't rush my degree. Others around me are getting through their degree as quick as possible, summer school, overload, um, so they can get out and earn money as quick as possible. You know? Or I won't work as many hours as I possibly can to save up as much as I can because the most important thing is to get the biggest deposit I can on a house that I can. That's the most important thing. You know, financial security. Um, but that might be saying, hey, I'm going to have a bit more margin in my life for church, for friends, for my Christian faith and growth. Because if I don't carve out that margin while I'm a student, it's not going to get easier later. <laughs> it's not as if, oh, look, I'll just work myself to death as a med student, but then when I become a doctor at a hospital, oh, then I'll have time and I'll make time for God. <laughs> no, it starts now. And actually, you'd notice that you'd get the, um, the Christian doctor who'd come in to talk to the med students. And the med students would be like, oh, the most important thing to talk about is euthanasia and abortion and bioethics and you know, tell us all these things. And often the Christian doctor would say, look, you need to know about those things, but you know what the real challenges are day to day? Making time for prayer, making time for church, being generous with your money, not getting into, like there's massive issues with um, drug and alcohol abuse for people in high pressure careers, not 
turning to those things in your high pressure, not getting into workplace affairs um, in those long hours and those high pressures. Those are actually some of the things that, <laughs> in, in other words, some of the things that are pretty common for Christians no matter what. It was, so that was a whole process, you know, that, that was some of the countercultural challenges to go, oh, I'm going to make time for faith, ministry, evangelism, well-being, um, uh, generosity. Now we're in a different season, you know, post-pandemic and in an online learning campus now, that's a, it's a whole different ball game yet again. As the pandemic hit, everyone was guessing what would happen. Cruise ships, they're a thing of the past, man. Cruise ships are death ships. That's the end of the cruise ship industry. People were wrong about that, weren't they? Handshakes are over. People will be elbow bumping uh, for the next few decades. Uh, there we go again. They're kind of wrong on, wrong on that one. There were people in church saying, digital church is coming. It's the future, man. Um, and yet we've discovered that most people wanted to get out of digital church as quickly as possible and back to face-to-face that actually the online church purgatory, what it best served was efficiency for church committees, that instead of spending three hours driving to, eating biscuits, having a cup of tea, doing the committee meeting, getting home late, you'd then zoom in to do the important church committee stuff and zoom out again. And even old, old Duncan has learned how to use Zoom nowadays because he had to during the pandemic to talk to his, um, his grandchildren. And so even Duncan can zoom in. <laughs> so, but no one was saying, oh, church committees, man, that's what the pandemic will, um, uh, with digital church. Yeah, so it was hard to predict what would do what, what would affect what, what would be the outcomes in various ways. Another one that in the larger cities people are talking about now <laughs> is there's a group of people called twits, massive part of the workforce that they call twits, they call, um, that the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday worker who works from home on Monday, uh, so they can be around home and kids and, um, and have a bit more of a quiet time, then come into the office Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then work from home Friday. Um, that, that's a development. It hasn't been an entirely remote workforce, but it's been a rebalancing of the boss worker um, and work life balance stuff has been a thing that's happened. What's it mean for campus ministry? Well, it, it's been a real mix across the country and around the world. For us, it's been monstrously horrible. <laughs> the combination of COVID, uh, UTAS's shift to online learning, and here in Hobart, although there's the Inveresque move as well, which is a bit quicker for you guys than the Hobart schmozzle, the move of the whole to the CBD campus has caused a lot of disruption that has meant that at a conference that five years ago would have 50 people in it, now has 15 in it. What we're experiencing in terms of size is a function of the change that's happened in Hobart has broken up the normal habits of your age group just getting together in large numbers. Now, I'm sure you can think of some time recently when you were together with a large number of people your age. That's awesome. I'm not saying it's stopped completely, but it has, the scale and regularity and ease of it has dramatically decreased. It's just different. It's just different. We're in a different era. So we've got to ask, what does it mean to be God's counterculture in this era, it's a different era. It's not everyone in Sandy Bay playing hacky sack and you know shouting about John Howard at some protest and what it, it, being roller skater, Rubik's cube boy or whatever. <laughs> it, it's not the uh, again you know through a different era. Time. It's, this is our time. We, you've got to be faithful in the time you've given. You know how in the Lord of the Rings movies, those who might have watched them or read the books, Frodo complains how he wished this wasn't his. T he didn't have this ring. He wished he didn't have to go on this quest. 
Um, and uh, the wise wizard Gandalf says, well, everyone wishes that they could have lived in some better time. You know, I've got a friend who wished she lived in London in the 60s so she could have been around the Beatles and all of that. Her mum lived in London in the 60s and didn't get it. It was wasted on her mum. <laughs> Why couldn't she have lived in the 60s? Um, yeah, everyone can wish for other times, but we've got to ask what to do with the times we've been given. Where in this time, which has great opportunities, great challenges, great responsibilities, um, and we've got to ask what does it mean to be a counterculture in this time. And you know what I think part of it means? Is that actually um, we get the opportunity, you guys get the opportunity in a sense, to be grassroots movement leaders. A lot of your peers turned 18 online or just after going online. A lot of people have grown up in a, uh, a weirdly online locked down period and have now walked into a uni life that's weirdly half online and disparate and disconnected. That's not great for people on lots of levels. Socially, uh, mental health, spiritually, even just career prospects and life partner prospects, those things get dried up. Um, and it's not great for evangelism, less opportunities. So we get an opportunity to think, how can we build social connection? How can we be grassroots movement leaders who build connection, who gather people, who initiate? In other seasons, you get to just be a punter and just go to the things that are happening. You know, um, when I was at uni, you didn't have mobile phones yet. You just kind of would go somewhere because you knew everyone else didn't have phones either. So they were just going there. So you'd go to Franklin Square or you'd go to the uni, go to Salamanca and see what was happening. And so you're kind of, that's, that's, that was your notice board, just going to somewhere. I guess we've got to figure out what it means now. What does it mean for the person who wants to build social connection, wants to meet other people outside of their church, outside their class, outside their workplace? How do you do it? I think actually it means you guys are going to figure that out. <laughs> you guys need to be the ones who think through who among you are the gatherers and the organisers and the initiators and the connectors. Um, and help make your generation rich um, in a countercultural way where other people go, you know what, it's a bit awkward meeting people, a bit awkward getting out of the house. I'll just stay at home, actually, and hang out with the people I know from school. I'm good. Oh, the cousins are doing something, just hang out with the cousins. Just keep it simple. Yeah. That, that, if that's the default, being a counterculture, saying, no, I want to step into a bigger world and invite people into that world and build community. That's me guessing. You guys probably have your own intuitions. I want to get you thinking and asking that question. What does it mean to be a counterculture in this time, in this era, with your generation and your peers? Let's figure out what it is. We'll watch it happen. And then you'll be up here in five years' time reflecting on it and going, we thought it was about elbow nudges and whatever, but it was something else entirely. You know, we'll discover.